we might say to ourselves, well, I don't know anybody who says they've never sinned, but, but think about it. If a person thinks they can stand before God one day based on their own efforts, or you know, I'm a really good person, I try to do good things, what a person is really saying is they're really not that sinful. Not so sinful that they deserve condemnation from God. From Walking in Grace, this is the Straight Truth Podcast, Christian Truths in an Increasingly Secular World. Well, welcome again to the Straight Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Philpott, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Richard Caldwell, the pastor of Founders Baptist Church. Now, we want you to be part of this discussion as always, so please leave us a comment in the video below, or maybe go to our website, straighttruth.net, and send us an email, maybe something you'd like for us to discuss here on this podcast. Also on that website, you can find links to all of our social media channels, as well as to our store. Okay, so our next question was submitted online, and, and it's kind of lengthy, so let me read it first and see how you'd respond. So it goes like this. How do you evangelize someone who is convinced they are saved, yet their choices, behaviors, and how they live their lives does not reflect the fruit of the Spirit? There seems to be a confusion in their thinking. Because they have made a profession of faith at some point, they exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, and then they go to church so they are saved. But do you continue to point them to the gospel and what Christ calls them to, is it wrong to remind them that the scriptures themselves calls us to examine ourselves? Right? What if they don't do this or even won't do this? How can you help them see their need other than to continue to pray for them? Yeah, several things come to mind as I hear that question. Um, obviously, we, we want to recognize that salvation is not determined by profession. Hmm. Our profession doesn't save us. God saves. And what a, what a genuine profession does is it simply gives voice to the work of God in a human soul. The reason I believe, the reason I confess that Jesus is the Christ is because God has done a work in my heart. Second Corinthians chapter 4, His light has shined into my heart, mm -hmm. giving me the knowledge of His glory in the face of His Son. So a confession is simply the revelation. It is the demonstration of the work of God in the, in the soul in salvation. So simply making a profession doesn't save someone. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says that that on, on the day that's coming, many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not? Now, that's, a, that's an orthodox confession. Kurios, kurios, Lord, Lord, have we not done this, done that in your name? And I will say to them, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. So here were people, here will be people who confessed Jesus but didn't know Jesus. More, more accurately in that verse, were not known by Jesus. Uh, they claimed to know Christ, but he didn't know them as his own. So, so profession doesn't save. What gives me pause as I hear the question is, I want to be careful with this. I have seen situations where fruit inspection sort of crosses a line mm -hmm. and people imagine they have a knowledge that they don't have. So what I want to be careful in, in my answer to at least acknowledge is I have seen situations where I believe people are just too hard on other people. Mm -hmm. That what they expect is perfection. Mm -hmm. And if at any point someone isn't exactly like they think they ought to be as a Christian, well, now I'm questioning your entire conversion. I'm questioning your salvation. And if you really were humble, you would acknowledge that, that my concerns mm -hmm. are absolutely valid and you would sort of deny your own salvation. And if they don't do that, then, then I'm displeased and then I might ask a question like this. I'm not suggesting the person asking the question mm -hmm has that attitude. I'm saying I've seen that attitude. Mm -hmm. So we've got to remember that sanctification is progressive. Justification happens uh, in a moment. Wherever there's faith in Christ, the person's right with God. Progressive sanctification happens over a lifetime. We're in a lifetime battle with the flesh, 
with dueling desires. We know a brand new war at the moment we're converted. And genuinely saved people can not only fail, they can fail at times miserably. And it doesn't nullify the work of God in their soul. What, what gives evidence, and now we'll transition to, to the answer to the question, what gives evidence that they are truly converted is their relationship not only to Christ, but to sin. So what I would say is, with all of us, yes, we should examine ourselves, make sure that we're in the faith, make sure that Christ really does dwell in us. What means has God given us in his word by which we examine that? Well, he's given us several things. So let me give you just a, a few. Let's think about 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So one way I want to examine my relationship to sin is, is it my habitual practice? Do, do I find myself walking in things that disobey God? One of the ways I've used to illustrate it to people is, uh, it's like holding your breath. Holding your breath can be done, we can all do it, but it's not natural. Natural is breathing. So even though I can hold my breath maybe longer than someone else can, eventually we all have to breathe because we're alive. Mm -hmm. Well, before I knew Christ, to try to live according to the scriptures was like holding my breath. To live a self-centered, sin-centric life was breathing. It's, 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 it reflected my true nature. After the Lord saved me, I can still sin. I do still sin. But, but now to live for Christ is breathing. So even though I may go through seasons of disobedience and stubbornness and all the rest, sooner or later I have to repent. I turn from those things because I, I live now. I've been made alive. Living is breathing. Breathing is obeying Christ. Mm -hmm. So one way I want to examine myself is right, is right there. The nature of God, the truth about God is that he's light. So if I say I have fellowship with him, but, but the whole trajectory of my life is one of darkness, I need to examine whether I have fellowship with him or not. All right, next statement. But if we walk in the light as he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So one of the ways I want to measure if I'm walking in the light is not just what I claim my relationship is to God, but what is my relationship to his church? If I walk in the light, I have fellowship, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with this new family we've been brought into, the family of God. So what is my relationship to sin in terms of what I claim for my fellowship with Christ? What is my relationship to sin with respect to my claims to fellowship with his people? And I can know I'm a forgiven person. The blood of Christ cleanses me, goes on cleansing me from all sin if, if, if uh, I have fellowship with God and with his people. Next verse, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So, he, so this, in a strange twist, one of the ways you can know you're not saved is if you think you've reached a place of sinlessness. Hmm. I mean, if I'm not aware of any sin in my life, if I'm never aware of sin, that's a pride issue. That's a blindness issue. That would indicate I don't have the Spirit of God because He will make me aware of my sinfulness. Next statement, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One of the ways I know that my sins are forgiven and cleansed is I'm a confessing person. So on the one hand, there's, there's this person who says, I have no sin. That person doesn't know the Lord. In contrast, is a person who confesses their sins. I see my sin. I agree with God about my sin. I'm a confessing person as a pattern. This is one of the evidences that I know the Lord. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, I have never sinned, so to speak. I stand before God righteous in my own um, 
nature and deeds, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Why did Jesus come from heaven if I had no need of forgiveness? Why did he die on a cross if I have no sin? Why was he, uh, why is my hope, uh, why is the New Testament hope and the hope of the resurrection if, he, if, if I had no sin? And we might say to ourselves, well, I don't know anybody who says they've never sinned, but, but think about it. If a person thinks they can stand before God one day based on their own efforts, or you know, I'm a really good person, and I try mm-hmm. to do good things, what a person is really saying is they're really not that sinful. Not so sinful that they deserve condemnation from God. So the first test we see there in 1 John as to whether or not we really have the Spirit, whether or not we really are converted, what is my relationship to sin? Hmm. Do, do I think I've reached a place of perfection? Am I, conf- am I a confessing person? Did I need the forgiveness of Christ in the first place? What is my relationship to sin? Do I walk in sin or do I walk in light? I guess to the second thing I'll point out, this is chapter three of 1 John. Verse four says this, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. So these verses teach us the new birth fundamentally changes our relationship to sin. What I once loved, now I hate it. Now I hate. What I what once I was a slave to, now I've been set free from. What once I pursued as a as the pattern of my life, now I pursue a different pathway. I pursue righteousness. So none of these verses teach you will never sin. We saw that in 1 John chapter 1, or that you're not to be confessing your sin. We saw that in chapter 1. But that if you really are born again, you have been changed at the most fundamental level. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And as a result, there are new loves, new desires, new hatreds. Uh, my, my relationship to sin has changed. My relationship to God has changed. My relationship to his people has changed. And it's all reflected in a, in a new way of living. So I would say we've got to be realistic in terms of how we examine each other. Mm -hmm. If I expect perfection, I'm gonna be questioning people's salvation all the time. But if I understand that that sanctification is progressive, that genuinely saved people can have major failures, but I still look at what is the trajectory of a person's life. That's how I'm to examine myself and that's how I can faithfully help someone else determine where they, where they stand with God. And, and Jesus says that there are a couple ways that you can tell that someone's a disciple of Christ, and one is by love, and the yes. other is you'll know them by their fruits. We right. know. So what's the fruit of the Spirit in that sort of... Um, Absolutely, Galatians uh, 5. Yeah, examination. Yeah, for sure. So, so there are several tests. I mean, I've just mentioned a, a few in First John, but there are several tests. There's a doctrinal test. Do yeah. I have the gospel right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the ways I know that I truly know Christ. Uh, do I love his people? Mm-hmm. Uh, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. Mm-hmm. So do I love the church? Do I love the bride of Christ? Uh, do I? What is my relationship to sin? We just talked about that. Answered prayer. Do I know that he hears me? Hmm. Do I have a desire to pray? And, and do I see evidence that he hears my prayer? That's, that's another test of salvation. How do I hear the word of God? Do I love the words of God? Do I receive the words of God? Am I submissive to the words of God? 
Uh, do I have that, that desire of the newborn babe for the pure milk of the Word of God, as Peter talks about? So, so, so many of these evidences help us collect, if we take them all together, to measure and, and have a sense of assurance that God has really saved me. So for the person who thinks they are saved, but they aren't showing evidence in some of these areas, that means there They're usually is measuring reason. themselves by a false standard. Okay. This is what we talked about earlier. Maybe they think the only standard by which you measure yourself is your profession. Mm -hmm. When the Bible's so clear that that's not an adequate mm -hmm. way to measure salvation. Mm -hmm. The devils believe and tremble, the book of James says, but mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't love Christ. Mm -hmm. So our, me our measuring stick has to be biblical. Mm -hmm. Then we have to be honest with what we're seeing. Is this also part of um, accepting Christ not only as Savior but Lord of your life? Is this a similar yeah, thing? Yeah, let's talk about that language for just a moment. So just we just need to know Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so when I accept, quote-unquote, accept him as Savior, mm -hmm. uh, you can't divide Christ into elements of his person. You know, I'm going to accept the Savior side of Jesus and then later on make him the Lord of my life. All we do is we receive Christ as he is. Mm -hmm. He's the Lord who saves. So every person whom the Lord brings to himself acknowledges that he is God. He is sovereign. He will be king. He's going to take over my life. Um, and if I don't want him on his terms, then I've rejected him no matter mm -hmm. what my mouth says. Mm -hmm. So when the Lord saves someone, he brings him to a point of, of loving the Son of God for who he really is, trusting in the Son of God for who he is, and he is the Lord. Who saves. I don't make him Lord, I acknowledge what he is. Thanks again for joining us for the Straight Truth Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Now you can find links to all of our social media channels by going to our website, straighttruth.net. And do us a favor, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to this podcast. And also go to the iTunes podcast section and leave us a review. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries. You can learn more by going to walkingingrace.org.